Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. It's going to be understanding what it means to be spiritual. And nowadays, we've got everything from non-denom churches that, you know, their doctrinal statement is basically the plan of salvation, which is great, except, you know, you're not allowed to really talk about anything else doctrinally. And, you know, not many of them actually go out and and really witness for the lost. Um, Then you've got, you know, your if you, you, you got your charismatic tongue talking crowd where you're not really spiritual unless you have gotten that second blessing of being able to speak in tongues. Um, You've got um, Roman Catholic priests. You've got Lutheran priests. You've got Episcopalian priests. And uh, part of their definition of spirituality is you really got to have that vestment. You got to have those priestly garbs. And, you know, the way we dress and the outfits we wear, man, that really shows our spirituality. and then we even have some on, on the Baptist side where, you know, they think they're so spiritual because they get behind the pulpit and they're the Baptist Pope and everything has to go through them. And, you know, they've got all the answers to life. And uh, it's it, 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 it seems like, especially nowadays, it's this grab for how can I be spiritual? And I thought since we're going through Galatians it'd be a good time to park and let's get a biblical understanding of what the Bible actually says about being spiritual. I think that's a good place to start. So let's go there. Romans chapter number six. Let's read the first 10 verses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Oh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, my fault. My fault. Uh, off base on that. Romans 6, we'll read the first 10 verses. I think I said 10 and went to Romans 10, but anyway. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Last verse, verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, one more, reckon ye also yourselves 
to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, reckon isn't a southern word. It's a biblical word. <laughs> Likewise, reckon. Um, what does it mean to be spiritual? Biblically speaking, it means that our identity, your identity, my identity, is found in nothing else but the glorious cross work of Jesus Christ. And that makes us spiritual. Jesus Christ. Look at verse number two. two. What are we? Dead to sin. Because of Jesus Christ. Look at verse number three. Our baptism identifies us with the death and resurrection of Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Being spiritual has to do with number one, us realizing and recognizing and appreciating the fact that our identity is found in nothing else but Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Look at verse six. The fact that our old man is crucified. Verse number seven, the fact that my death, your death and resurrection frees us from sin. If anybody, if any one of us wants to claim spirituality, it isn't going to be in our church membership. It's not going to be in our denomination. It's not going to be in how many people we witness to. It's not going to be on the clothes we wear. It's not going to be on whether or not we speak in tongues or don't speak in tongues. It's going to be found in the identity of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That is number one and most important. Number two. Let's get John chapter number six. The focus of the Holy Spirit is always pointing to the majestic work of our living Savior. It is never pointing to our feeling or experiential deal that we had. People said, I, had, I have an experience. I have a feeling. And they say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit isn't directing you to the majestic work of the Savior, it might just be you having a good experience or a good feeling or it's really hard to just say that every experience and feeling that we have, we just equate it to the Holy Spirit. It's just not found in the Bible. Look at John chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, where am I supposed to be? Do I want that? I lost, where did I want to be on that? I might have to come back to that one on part number two. Um, 
Let me look a little bit here. Might be, let's see. No, I'm going to have to come back to that. Sorry for the delay there. Um, I will say this, and I'll circle back to it once I figure out where I'm supposed to be on that. I apologize. We just need to be careful about focusing our spirituality on the feeling that we had or the experience that we had or the journey that we went through. Um, and I'll say more about that at a later point. Let's get Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. We must have a right relationship with the spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse number three, the Bible says. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish. Their own righteousness, Romans chapter 10, verse three have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Spirituality is defined biblically as having the right righteousness. <laughs> and too many people, uh, they've got their own way to establish their righteousness. We talked about it a little bit in the beginning about what different groups do or different people think. And, you know, if you go back in your mind, you can figure out some things that you have either seen or experienced or have thought at one point in your life that said, yeah, I'm doing this. So I'm really spiritual. But Romans chapter 10, verse number three, it really is having the right righteousness. And it's 100% true 100% of the time. Do you have the right righteousness? If you're saved, you do. You don't lose that righteousness. Unbelievers are 100% and 100% of the time completely unrighteous. Because they go about trying to establish their own righteousness. That doesn't change. For an unbeliever, that doesn't change when they do something that quote unquote is right. Because before God, they don't have his righteousness. So even though they might help you clean up the yard, a good neighbor would do that. Even though, even though they might give the cashier back change when that cashier gave them wrong change, that is the right thing to do. But if, if in their mind they establish their own righteousness because they did that, it's only in their own mind because before God, they don't have righteousness. Before that cashier, they do. That business wants that person to come back because they know they've got an honest customer. 
So before that business and that cashier, they have righteousness. But before God, they don't. And when people go around and establish their own righteousness, like I did, hey, I grew up in this religion. I'm good. And whatever it was for you before you came to Christ, you had your own way of establishing your righteousness. And as a believer, you are completely righteous before God. But what about the believer that goes to the store and the cashier gives them back too much change and they knowingly pocket it and don't give it back? Do they lose righteousness? Before the cashier, they do. But not before God. Well, what does that mean? It means our position in Christ, our standing before God, is always 100% righteous. We always have the indwelt Holy Spirit. But like we talked about and talked through in Galatians, our mind is not always influenced by the indwelt Holy Spirit to make a right decision. We go after the flesh. And so we, we've talked about that. But we don't lose our righteousness that was imputed to us by God. Does that make sense? Because this is where this idea of, well, you can lose your salvation because well, you gave the, per the person gave you change and you took that change and you pocketed it and it was too much. You can't be right before God. Look, God's not happy when you do that. Fellowship is broken. And your relationship and your ability to commune and fellowship and walk with him. There's an issue there. But it's not like you established your own righteousness to bring to him anyway. He gave you something you didn't deserve. What do you think if a guy is um, rude to his wife or a wife is rude to her husband that all of a sudden their marriage is null? Everybody would be divorced in about two weeks after marriage. Those things happen. You know what happens to that relationship? It isn't quite like it used to be. There's a problem there. When your kids are fussing and, and they're being disrespectful to you, do they all of a sudden not become your children? No, don't do that. You'll not become my son or daughter. It's insanity. It doesn't happen. There's a problem there. That relationship is severed a bit. But you don't stop being somebody's son or daughter because you're a wise mouth <laughs> or the son to the parent. So people go and they try to establish their own righteousness because they just don't want to submit themselves under the righteousness of God. And once you submit yourself to the righteousness of God, you have God's imputed righteousness. And that makes you and I spiritual. A believer is in Christ. He has fellowship with the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever is not in Christ, and they do not have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, with it, which I trust all of us here this morning are, a small group, we know each other 
fairly well. If we have a relationship with the Spirit of Christ, that should cause us to appreciate what we have and obey the command that says, quench not the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Galatians 6 and 1 Corinthians 2. Biblical spirituality is this. You either have it or you don't have it. You have it or you don't have it. And like we talked about in Galatians, you're either walking in the spirit and you're in a right relationship with the spirit. Or you're walking after the flesh and you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Can you do both of them at the same time? That would be no. You can't walk after the flesh and walk at the spirit after the, the spirit on the same road. You can't. The mind has to make a decision. It's influence and it makes a decision. Which road is it going to go down? If you go down the, the, the flesh. Do you lose the spirit? You just didn't tap into it. Galatians 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Do 1 Corinthians 2 first. 1 Corinthians 2, 15 says, But he that is spiritual... Judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Now, this isn't a verse for church leaders only. It's all believers. It's not he that is spiritual, meaning somebody that's a leader of a church. It's a brother, a sister, someone that's in Christ. He or she. And it says is, meaning you are spiritual. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. It's not like you're 80% spiritual, 20% carnal. It's either you're going down the right road or you're not going down the right road. Well, I'm going to do 50% walking in the spirit, and then I'm going to do 50% walking after the flesh. You can't. When you make a decision, it's either going to be after one or after the other. It's not like a 90-10 or 50-50 deal. You're going to make a choice and a decision, and what are you going to walk after? And if you walk after the Spirit, then you can judge all things. All right, Galatians. It says here, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which, look at that, are spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, consider on itself, lest thou also be tempted. You are. First Corinthians 2. 
He that is, it's a hundred percent. It's absolute. And nowhere in the Bible are you told to become more spiritual. Are we to grow? Yes. Are we to mature? Yes. But nowhere do we have a verse that says become or grow in spirituality. Because you either have it or you don't. You're either walking after the spirit or you're not walking after the spirit. So let's develop that thought a little bit. Um, Christian growth, we can say, is relative. Biblical spirituality, it's absolute. So I want to split the hair and divide those out. And let's see if we can get a little bit of a biblical distinction. Get Second Peter chapter number three. Second Peter three. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth, our Christian growth, yes, we do need to grow in grace. Yes, we will grow in knowledge. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter number 14. Uh, it says, brethren, be not children in understanding. Albeit in malice, be children, but in understanding, be men. You see how our understanding, we have to grow in that? First Corinthians chapter number 13. First Corinthians 13. Watch what it says here. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Is there growth there? You bet there is. There's growth in the speech. There's growth in the understanding. There's growth in the thought. That is our Christian growth. That is our Christian maturity. And all of those things are relative measurements. You can't expect someone that just got saved to be to have the understanding of someone that's been saved for three decades. It's just not going to happen. So Christian growth is certainly relative. Let's go over to first Peter. First Peter two. First Peter two, two as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. God wants us to grow in our faith. Look when you go down to verse 10, uh, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Well, that sounds like I don't have to grow at all. <laughs> Man, you're holy. Go ahead after it. You see, you're spiritual. That's 100%. That's absolute. But your growth, that's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take some time. I'm spiritual. You're spiritual. But 
we need to grow. We need to grow in grace, we need to grow in our speech, we need to grow in our call, all those things that we talked about. That's a relative measurement, okay? We all have room for growth in our Christian walk, for sure. But our spirituality, it's all based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We're either going to walk in the spirit, we have the indwelt spirit, or we're not. Number five. Um, really just a few thoughts here to wrap up Christian growth and spirituality. The point I'd like to just finalize out is they are different. I hope that all of us aren't at the same spot we were last year in our walk with the Lord in our Christian growth. I hope that we have grown some. And if we haven't, okay, now that's a problem. That's a measurement that we have to say, all right, I've got to grow more. I've got to mature more in this area. And someone else might say, I've got to grow and mature more in this area. Okay, there's degrees of that. But not in our spirituality. We're not told to try to become more spiritual. We have the indwelt Holy Spirit. It's 100%. Christ did it on the cross. Now, you know how we said earlier that, okay, somebody gets saved. Let's say somebody gets saved today. They're not going to have the Christian walk. We all have. Because they're not going to be mature enough in the faith. But they're going to be just as spiritual because they have the same Holy Spirit. They have the same Savior. Their identity is found in the same glorious cross work of Jesus Christ that ours is founded. Does that make sense? So you can't look at somebody and say, well, they're just not spiritual because they don't do this and they don't do that. And they still listen to this and they still go to these places and they still, well, duh. <laughs> so did you and I. It took us some time to grow and to mature. And that doesn't happen overnight. But you know what happens in an instant? They have the same Holy Spirit because they're baptized into Jesus Christ. Um, but this is going to need a lot of growth and a lot of maturation. Here's a, here's a good example. Little Abraham. He runs around. and Physically, he, he had... He, we could say physically he's 100% healthy. He's got 100% bill of health. Well, Wesley, who's a tech student, he could have the same 100% bill of health physically. Are they the same? When it comes to their bill of health, they are. They're 100%. Everything's working fine. Strength, lungs, heart, everything. But you can't look at them too and say they're the same in maturity. There's no way. Nobody would expect a one or two or three-year-old to be as mature as a 19, 20, 21-year-old. Not going to happen. Same thing when you go from 20 to 40. Same thing when you compare 
40 to 70. It's not the same maturation. First Corinthians 2, when it says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Uh, let's go back to that verse. And I want to read the context of all things because it says. He the spiritual judges all things. So we should look at the all things. Verse 2. First Corinthians 2 verse number 9. Let's start out. But as it is written. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Do you have the indwelt Holy Spirit? Yeah. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How can we know things? We have the spirit of God. We don't have the spirit of the world. And this idea of this feeling and this experience, and I just kind of went on this journey, and I had this dream, and the dream turned into a reality, and all of a sudden, I'm in heaven, and then I came back down, and then I saw an angel, and it had wings, and it was a woman, and none of that's in the Bible. But you can make movies and write songs and make people feel good at the karaoke bar, which a Christian shouldn't be at anyway. But all of that is worldly experience. It has nothing at all to do with biblical spirituality. Because you can write a Hallmark card that makes somebody melt like a marshmallow. It doesn't mean it's from God. It doesn't. You know, uh, 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 you're sad when anyone passes away. You're sad when anybody dies, especially a child. But you can write tears in heaven and it can move people and it can be compassionate and it can be loving. But you can't say it's biblical. You can't. It just doesn't make any biblical sense. And if people would stop being pulled around by emotion they would realize that a big car show has absolutely nothing to do with winning people to Jesus Christ. It doesn't. It brings people in because of the nostalgia and the way that it makes them feel. And look, I don't want to come to church and feel horrible. <laughs> I don't. I want to come to church and see the church house full. I want to see kids running around. I want to see everybody talking and having a good time and mingling and talking about the Bible and how'd your week go and 
what can I pray for you about? I want to see all of that stuff. But if it doesn't happen the way that I have it in my mind, does it mean we're not spiritual? <laughs> it just means that, okay, we got to stop. We got to pray. We got to. These things have to do in verse number 12. Not having the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13. Which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spirit. And we have to stop taking these natural things, these worldly things, and trying to make them spiritual. And I don't care how you slice it. If you want to take the world's music and slap a Christian label on it, it ain't Christian. It's got the spirit of the world in it, and you're not taking the spirit of the world out of it. Just look at their life, look at the way they act on stage, look at the way they do everything about their body language and their way they live their lifestyle. You can't take worldly things and try to put Christian on it and make it work. It's like taking cigarettes and saying that, you know, well, it's 50 it's we took we took out 50 percent of the. Of the nicotine, well, you're still smoking nicotine, <laughs> you're still. <laughs> you can ban menthols all you want. People are going to find something else to smoke. And until you have the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God. You're just going to continually desire the things of the world. All right, so let's wrap it up. Verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Everybody thinks because they voted red that they're a Christian. Just get that out of your head. Okay. And this, if you've not seen them before, that you know, I mean, they don't have them as much now, but this idea that, uh, or the saying that, look, Trump is my president, but Jesus Christ is my savior. We better not forget that Jesus Christ is the savior and a red state isn't. <laughs> this isn't a message on not being read and not and, and, and this isn't a message on slamming anybody it's to say that if you think you're going to establish righteousness by voting in who you think is the best political candidate all you've done is gone about to establish your own righteousness and it might be a good conversation that you're having with somebody 
yeah, I don't, I don't want this for our country, and I don't want that for our country, and I don't want any of that for our country either. But you know what? If I leave that conversation without saying to that man, you know, what's more important is here's what I don't want for your soul. And if you don't vote Jesus Christ, if you don't submit to him, if you don't repent and trust the Savior, you're going to have a lot worse life no matter who's voted in the next four years. If they're natural, they're not going to understand spiritual. And if you want them to be spiritual, it's not, yeah, a fist bump and an elbow and, you know, a Trump T-shirt. And if that man walks away with just that, he walks away 100% unspiritual. But if he trusts Jesus Christ as his or her savior, he will walk away from that conversation 100% spiritual. Because he'll be covered in red. The red blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that he shed on the cross for that man or for that woman. And no candidate's going to do that for him. So wrap up with this saying, to be spiritual, we need to walk in the spirit. And as we walk in the spirit and not yield to the lust of the flesh, as we do that, now by default, we will grow and mature as Christians. That will happen by default. Our spirituality is 100% absolute. We can tap into it 100% at any time. As we do that, guess what's going to happen? We're going to grow in our thoughts. We're going to mature in our actions. We're going to grow in our speech. And we're going to become better Christians. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.